Hello, everybody. Welcome to our second week of Vanceburg Christian Church, worshiping outside the building. Due to the circumstances of the coronavirus pandemic, we've had to make some adjustments. I've always said there should be a verse in the Bible that says, Blessed are the flexible, for they will not be bent out of shape. So we've had to do some things differently, and we want to thank our leaders, President Trump, Governor Bashir, County Judge Executive Todd Ruckel for setting some guidelines to help us follow so we can be as safe as possible. And uh, we want to pray for the leaders of our church because this is our first pandemic to lead the church through. It's all new territory for us, so pray for us, pray for each other. Um, we're glad that uh, you're able to tune in with us today. I do want to uh, point out that we can keep on giving even though we can't gather together. And if you've heard me preach much over the years, you've heard me say that giving is one of the highest forms of worship. So let's keep on worshiping with our giving. Secondly, there's a practical aspect of it. The church needs money to continue to do the things we do to further the Lord's work. So even though we can't meet together let's keep on giving there are a couple ways you can do this you can do it the old school way write a check and mail it to vanceburg christian church p.o box 37 vanceburg kentucky 41179 that's p.o box 37 or you can go to our website vanceburgchristian.com and there you'll see at least a couple of different options for online giving. That's vanceburgchristian.com. So uh, let's keep up our giving. Let's keep up our worship. Now, if you would have asked me a month or so ago, what would it take for me to lead the church in singing on a Sunday morning? I would quickly say it would probably take a global pandemic. So here we are. So let's uh, let's sing. Behold what man love the Father has given unto us. Behold what man love the Father has given unto us. That we should be called the children of God. chorus is taken right out of scripture. You know, the past 20 years or so, there's been a movement to write new Christian songs and choruses right out of scripture. I love this. We're just singing the Lord's word back to him. This is taken from 1 John chapter 3 verse 1, which says, see the great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called his children. And that is what we are. Now, in the translation I usually read from, there are two exclamation marks in that verse. That we should be called his children. And that is what we are. So let's sing this with the exclamation marks in mind, okay? Behold, man, love, Father is given unto us. Behold, man, love, 
Lord, do we thank you so much that we can call you Father and that you call us your children. Thank you for all the privileges that come from being in your family. Thank you for all the blessings we experience every single day. Lord, we're living in some perilous times right now, and we want to pray that you would be with all those who've lost loved ones because of this illness. Lord, we pray that you would be with those who are sick right now. Lord, we pray for those who are scared for their own health, maybe for the health of a loved one. Lord, we pray for those that uh, maybe have lost their job temporarily, those that are struggling financially for some other reason. We pray for those who are uneasy about their finances as far as their retirement goes. Lord, we want to pray for us as a church because we miss each other. We want to be back together again. Lord, help us to remember how the story ends. Lord, help us to remember that you see your people through bad times. Lord, we want to continue to pray for our leaders, our elected officials, health officials that are helping us through this. Lord, we pray for church leaders everywhere to have the wisdom to see us through this. Lord, we pray for spirit of courage so that we can really hang tough in tough times. Lord, we pray for hope. We pray for enthusiasm. We pray that you would help us to grow stronger in this time of isolation so that we can come together stronger than ever before. And Lord, we thank you for Jesus and all the promises we have through him. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
let's do one more song before we get into the sermon. You know, uh, people are looking for some answers to things that are going on around them. Jesus is something that God gives us that's much, much better than answers. you're doing okay with the way uh, things have been the past few weeks all cooped up isolated uh, 
Sometimes uh, you can be on edge. My wife and I have started taking what we call sanity walks every day. She walks to the east and I walk to the west. And when we come back together, our sanity is restored. Let's uh, look in the Bible in the book of Ephesians, chapters 5 and 6. We've kind of taken a trip through Ephesians, but there was a stop that I think we needed to make. So we're going to go back and stop and see how Christianity needs to get out of the sanctuary and into the home, out of the church building and into the marketplace. So let's uh, read from chapter 5 of Ephesians Starting with verse 21, it says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. I think this is the key verse to this whole section. It's a key verse to Christianity. We've got to have reverence for Christ. We've got to have reverence, a holy fear, an awesome respect for the Lord. Many people want Jesus as their Savior. Fewer want him as their Lord. We've got to submit to him. And only out of that submission to Jesus can our relationships with other people fall into place. We submit to one another out of reverence to the Lord. In the church, we submit to one another. We submit to anyone in the church that we need to serve. We submit to anyone in the church from whom we can learn something. We submit to anyone in the church who might correct us or rebuke us. We have this attitude of submission. And it's out of that context that we see the next verse. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. Now notice it does not say obey. It says submit, which is a gentler, softer word. And it's in the context of all of us submitting to one another. Now Jesus lifted up the status of women when he walked this earth. And every place where Christianity has taken its message, it has lifted the status of women. However, in the household, it can't be a democracy. And the Lord has ordained for the husband and the father to be the leader of the household. And the wife is to submit to her husband's leadership. And he goes on to apply it to the way the church submits to Jesus. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. In Ephesians, we see a series of pictures or examples of what the church is like. <clears throat> it says the church is like a building built on the cornerstone of Jesus and the foundation of the apostles. We've seen that the church is like a family. It's the family of God. We've seen it's like a body, the body of Christ, every part doing its own particular thing, working together to do the work of the Lord. But maybe the most beautiful picture of all in Ephesians is the picture of Jesus being the groom 
and the church being the bride of Christ. So marriage is intended to be a beautiful picture of the relationship that Jesus has with his church. So wives are to submit to their husbands just as the church submits to Jesus. And then it starts talking about the husband's responsibility. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So we see there are demands and responsibilities from both the wife and the husband. Both of these responsibilities are quite demanding. They're different. The wife submits, the husband loves, like Christ loved the church, a sacrificial love. These demands are, are different, but they're complementary. They work together, and it takes two people to make a Christian marriage work. And the husband is to love his wife just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. This might normally be the time if we were worshiping all together in one place that we would have communion together as we would remember just how much Jesus loves the church. He gave himself up completely. He laid his body down. He gave his life to pay for the sins of the church. He bought the church with his precious blood. He gave himself up for her. And at our church, we observe the Lord's Supper every single Lord's Day. This would normally be the time where we would do that. And until we come together again, just do the best you can at home. Maybe sometime during the service that we are streaming, you can take a piece of bread or a piece of cracker and eat that to represent the broken body of Jesus. Maybe you have some grape juice. Maybe you have some other kind of juice. Just improvise. I don't think the Lord's going to be real demanding that we get it exactly right. Just do the best you can to either have communion during our sermon time or maybe sometime during the day you and your family can get together and use whatever you have to take communion and remember the sacrifice that Jesus made. He gave himself up for the church. And in the same way, the husband is to love his wife sacrificially, giving himself up for her every day, showing this kind of love. It's the greatest love of all that we're talking about here. It's not erotic love. It's not brotherly love. It's not family love. It's agape love, the kind of love that God has for us. It's unconditional love that the husband is to have for his wife. It's an unselfish love. It's a love that does not expect anything back. It's a love that wants only the best and acts only in the best interest of the one who's receiving that love. That's the way Jesus loves the church. That's the way the husband is to love his wife. Jesus gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word clear reference to baptism and the Bible. Baptism makes us clean. The Bible keeps us clean. We can only be clean because of the blood 
that Jesus shed on the cross. He gave himself up for her, washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. The church, the bride of Christ, is beautiful in the sight of God. Have you ever seen an ugly bride? I know I haven't. They look amazing on their wedding day. And I tell couples who are getting married, don't spare any expense on the photos, okay? Take a lot of pictures because you're never going to look that good ever again. Of the bride, she looks so beautiful. And that's just the way the church looks in the eyes of God because of what Jesus has done for us. And then he goes back and forth between the relationship that Jesus has with the church and the relationship that the husband has with his wife. Verse 28, he says, In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. He's quoting Genesis 2.24 here, where God ordained marriage. And when Jesus was asked about marriage, he always takes us back to the beginning. Genesis 2.24, where one man one woman come together in marriage and the two become one flesh. And this is why a wife can submit to her husband because they're one flesh. She's really doing this for her own benefit. This is how the husband can love his wife sacrificially because they're one flesh. As he loves her, it's not only for her benefit, it's for his as well. Paul says in verse 32, this is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. It's a mystery that's been concealed in days of old, but revealed in Jesus. The mystery of God's radical plan to save the world through Jesus. The mystery that he's writing about is the gospel message. It's Christ and the church. But in verse 33, he brings it back down to a practical level. He gets Christianity into the home where he says, However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself. The wife must respect her husband. Did you notice the two different verbs there? The wife needs to be loved. The husband needs to be respected. Now, there is some overlap. There is some respect that goes with that love. There is some love that goes with the respect. But men and women are wired differently. And what the wife needs more than anything is her husband's love. And what the husband needs more than anything is his wife's respect. And as they love and respect each other, then Christianity blossoms in the marriage. Well, he moves from the relationship between the husband and wife to the relationship between the parents and the children. Chapter 6, verse 1. 
Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And he's talking about a Christian family. In the Lord, children, obey your parents, for this is right. Notice this is the stronger word. It's not submit here, it's obey. Children, you do what your Christian parents tell you to do because this is right. And deep down, you know that it's the right thing to do. It takes us back to the Ten Commandments in verse 2. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. Children, if you're asking the question, is it written in stone anywhere that I need to obey mom and dad? Yes, it is. It's the fifth commandment to honor, that is to obey your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. And what is that promise? So that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. So there's two parts to this promise. First of all, that it may go well with you. Okay, kids, here's a tip from your old preacher buddy. If you want to have a smooth life, keep your parents happy. It is not to your advantage at all to aggravate your parents. How do you keep them happy? You do what they say. You obey them. That's the first part of the promise. The second part is that you may enjoy long life on the earth. There are a couple of examples in scripture of people who had uh, disobeyed their parents and they did not live a, a long life. The first one is Samson. Samson was born to a couple that was very godly. He was blessed from birth. He was anointed by God. He had this Superman strength, but he blew it. He was cut down in the prime of life because he did not obey the teaching of his godly parents. There's a second person I can think of who falls into this category, Absalom, one of King David's sons. The Bible says that Absalom was a good-looking man says he didn't have a blemish on him from the top of his head to the bottom of his foot. He was perfect. And the Bible says he has had this thick, luxurious head of hair. Now, I find it interesting how things have changed over the years. In Old Testament times, if a man had a thick head of hair, he was considered gorgeous. And now it's just the opposite. It's the bald men who we think are the best looking. But uh, that's beyond the point. Absalom had all of this privilege growing up the king's son. Good-looking man. But he blew it. He rebelled against his father, and he died a tragic, violent death in the prime of his life. So, kids, you want to have a good life? You want to have a long life? Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And of course, there is some godly advice for the parents as well. Verse 4, fathers, and I think all the parents are included in this, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training 
and instruction of the Lord. So don't exasperate your children. Don't have such a restrictive set of rules and guidelines that they can't even turn around without making a mistake. Give them a little leeway. Allow them to make some of their own decisions. Even if they make some mistakes along the way, they can learn from that. Don't constantly be harping at your children and criticizing them. I know there's need for that, but they also need to hear some encouragement. They need to hear when they do some things right as well. So parents, don't exasperate your children. You know, another thing that can exasperate children is not having any guidelines at all. Because really, they expect some guidance. So don't exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Now, I'm glad in our church that we have Daniel McClurg, our student minister, who's helping to teach our young people. And they're doing some things right now. Even during our time of seclusion, the, the kids are on their phones meeting together, talking about the Bible together, and I'm glad that uh, we have Daniel to help them. We've got uh, Samantha Satkowski helping our younger children, and she's put out some videos. you got to see these videos. There's this one where uh, Samantha and uh, her cat Fred do a great job of teaching and, and I gotta say that Fred's pretty good I think he's about ready to step out on his own and just between you and me I think Samantha might be holding him back um, but she's doing a pretty good job too no she's doing a great job so you need to get online get the whole family together it could be a great time of uh, family devotion as you watch these videos that Samantha does all together I'm glad that we have Daniel and Samantha helping to teach our kids. But parents, you know that the Bible says that the ultimate responsibility of teaching your children is with you. It's not with the youth minister, not with the children's minister, not with the Sunday school teachers. It's with you. So don't exasperate your children, but bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. It's our mission to make disciples. And the best place to start is right in the household. So we've talked about the relationship between a husband and wife, the relationship between the parents and the children. Now he's going to get into the workplace. We need to take Christianity into the workplace. He's going to talk about slaves and masters. The way we apply this today, whenever you see the word slave, think employee. Whenever you see the word master, think boss. It says in verse 5, slaves or employees, obey your earthly masters or bosses with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. So 
employees work for your boss not just when they're looking right at you. Anybody can be a good worker while the boss is watching you, but be a good worker at all times. As a matter of fact, it says you work for that boss as if you were working for Jesus. Now, if you were working for Jesus, would you show up late for work on a regular basis? Would you sneak away early anytime you got a chance? And in between, would you do mediocre work if you did any work at all? No, you wouldn't do that for Jesus. So don't do that for your boss. Work as if you were working for the Lord. Because really, in a sense, you are. Some people think that work is just a drudgery and all it is is earning the necessary paycheck to pay for the things that we need in life. But the Bible has a much higher view of work. When you do something with your hands, it's honorable. And it could even be seen as a, a service to the Lord. Dare I say, an act of worship to the Lord to do an honest day's work and to do it to the best of your ability. And what a great witness it is. When you're a good worker, some of your co-workers might not see any Jesus except the Jesus they see in you. So what a great opportunity it is to witness as you do a good job at work every Monday through Friday. And then there's some uh, instructions for the bosses too. The masters or bosses, treat your slaves or workers in the same way. Do not threaten them since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. Maybe you're not the employee, you're the employer. Well, you have some Christian responsibilities too. To not be a, well, we call them slave masters, don't we? Uh, you don't have to do that. You can be gentle and yet exert the authority that you need to get the job done. What, uh, what we need to see in the workplace as Christian workers and Christian bosses working together to set a good example for those in the workplace who might not be Christians. So there you have it. It's Christianity getting out of the church building into the home, into the workplace, being the salt of the earth and the light of the world that Jesus calls us to be. So in these times that we're living in, these times where we might uh, be limited in where we can go, these times when we might be huddled up in our homes together, what a great time to work together to make the family stronger in Jesus. What a great time to go to the workplace and to show some courage in times of fear, some hope in times of despair. What a great opportunity we have in these times that we're living in to show Jesus to those who need to see him most. Let's pray. Lord, we bow before you once again. Give me thanks for this word that you've given to us today. Lord, we pray that you'd help us to be the best Christians that we can in our families and 
in our workplaces. Lord, help us to grow in our faith. Help us to shine that light brighter than ever before. Help us to influence more people than we ever have. Lord, help us to use this time of uh, self-isolation to grow stronger in our faith so that when we come back together as a church, we will be better than ever before. Lord, we pray for those who are in need. If someone needs hope, give it to them. If someone needs strength, give it to them. Lord, if they need to see this hope and strength through us, show us the opportunity. Help us to keep in touch with each other the best we can. Help us to message each other, encourage each other along the way. And Lord, we thank you that uh, you're going to see us through this and there are going to be better days ahead. We praise you. We worship you in Jesus' name. Amen.